Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the G and Jeffrey show. We're coming to you live from Memphis, Tennessee. My name is Jeffrey Wright. You can follow me on Twitter at jwright929 ESPN. Over the main studios, the Commercial Appeals lead sports columnist, the lead sports columnist of the number one sports section in the state of Tennessee. Top three sports columnists in the state of Tennessee, barely. Tied for eighth, best sports columnist in the United States of America. He's on Twitter, at MGianato. Mark, good day, sir. Jeffrey, traditionally, after tonight's Major League Baseball All-Star Game, the next two days after this, until baseball starts up again, right? Friday is when games start up again, usually. I think they weirdly started playing games on Thursday. Thursday, just so there would only be one day without a major professional sport. It has traditionally been considered slowest slowest day on the sports sports calendar yeah, we tomorrow. Used to, we used to call it like Black Wednesday. Yeah. It feels like, do you still feel that way? I don't know if, I, the pandemic has changed so many things, including, you know, for a couple years there, with the way the, the calendar was working out, you know, like the NBA was en- ended later one season, and, the, you know, it took a while for us to get back to our normal sports calendar. Are, is it still like black? Is this like the ter- most terrible week of them all in your mind? I mean, we, it feels like Wimbledon is a week later than usual. Usually, isn't usually like Wimbledon we're wrapping it up like that 4th of July, that weekend after 4th of July or sometimes coinciding with 4th of July, whereas this year I wonder you know, if it's like it a week like, later it feels like. I wonder, though, if it, has, if it feels that way because the 4th was earlier. Mm-hmm. Because usually it's always – they always play it during the 4th of July. But it felt like we were getting early think, rounds in the 4th, whereas, like, I just remember, yeah. I vividly remember that that famous Nadal-Federer match. I think it was 2006 or 2007, maybe? Oh, uh, no, the 2006. The classic? Yeah, it was 2008. I remember, you might be right. I think you're, yeah, you are right. It is 08. You're, you're absolutely right. Because I remember where I was watching it. And it was like I was in the— I was pretty sure I was in college. Well, I felt I was in like a tennis environment. I was at the, I was at like a fancy house in the Hamptons. Mm, that's that's you know? the place to like, watch that. And, and and then you get the, I just wanted to go and like the guy. Well, and the guys whose house it was, it was he was like this rich Israeli guy. It was like a, one of my friend's girlfriend's mother's boyfriend. It was like a very weird connection. Wait, but one more time. My friend's okay. girlfriend's yes. mother's boyfriend. That's a pretty, that's like the uh, chorus of Breakfast at Tiffany's. That was very <laughs> undecisive and like, so why I said, what about Breakfast at Tiffany's? I don't know. I think we both kind of liked it. Like, it's, that, that's a lot of people that are not committing. Well, the rich guy whose house it was was just like enthralled. It was like, you know, enthralled by the mouth. Never, you know, it was, it was like one of those guys. You like, we made fun of him afterwards. You know, like yes, after we, you know, he, he was so like into there, it. there'd be like a there, Federer would hit like a passion. Oh, like he was so dramatic about how <laughs> about this match. But that was during Fourth of July, and that was like the finals of Wimbledon. Yes, so it was it was definitely '08, and. That was the one that it, it went like five hours because all the rain delays and whatnot. I mean, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm just remembering it as July 4th, but I'm, it was like around July no, 4th. You are correct that Wimbledon, the 08 Wimbledon championship, excuse me, the championship. The championships in Wimbledon. Yes, of course. Uh, that started June 23rd yeah, and so, closed up uh, the 20, or I beg your pardon, July 6th. Yeah. Then the next year, same thing, 22nd through the July 5th. Yeah, I think Wimbledon's a week later. I don't know when it changed, but. To the better. Like, I, I might watch Wimbledon the next couple nights. Yeah, because... Or I guess they don't have night matches, though. That's a problem. No, it's... That's a problem. But I'll watch, the, I'll, I'll watch the replay. I don't follow it closely enough where it's like I'm getting alerts yeah. on my phone. Um, I've actually enjoyed it this year because the uh, 
Well, I don't know any of the women, really. But Christopher Eubanks, the American. Yeah, that's been exciting. He is an electric factory. Yeah. He has style. Yeah. No, that's been fun. I, I you know, I wish I knew. I don't I don't know any of the female tennis players anymore. Now that, like, well, Serena's kind of done. Sabalenka's the big. Like, yeah, like, that's that's the a, who the hell is that? They don't you know? even have a. She the American like, women, like Sloane Stevens and, you know, Coco Goff. What's her name? Osaka. or Naomi. She's not even playing. Yeah, she's not playing because she, she just had a kid. Or, has she had her kid yet? I don't know. I know she was pregnant, but. Um, so it looks like on. In does Wimbledon. 2017, they moved. 2017 appears to be the year that they moved it back a week. Well, long story short, does that mean this is no longer? I mean, we is, is Wimbledon enough? I think no, because it's also daytime. And I will say this: feels like summer league is like every year. I feel more and more uh, taken aback by how mainstream NBA summer league is becoming. Like, so, I this is my, and we can get into it. Tell the truth, because Mark has one. But mm-hmm. I've had this feeling about summer league. It, to me, is the equivalent of the NFL draft when my team sucks. I'm way more into it mm, when, yeah, my you gotta, team, yeah. when my You're team sucks. You're a San Antonio sucks, Spurs yeah, fan this yeah, year. Like it, I mean, Wimbledon's game, was the second game was like super highly rated. But if your team is good and Summer mm-hmm. League really doesn't matter, like to me, it just it feels like it's another one of the events that the NBA does and they try to force down your throat. Yeah, I, I'm not. I don't begrudge anyone. No, if you, we have agreed it. with. Like we're all yeah. in agreement here. If you're into it, like by all means, I t- all there is is Wimbledon. That's Correct. the only other thing. It's, I know we're, we're not. We're not pointing the finger. If you want to watch sports, this is like the either the best or second best option right now. I don't know well, what I, you think. Well, third maybe home run derby so, was ahead of it last so night. So you're not including the Gold Cup, the Concacaf Gold <sighs> Cup in your in your rankings. This is when you realize. I think I'd put Gold Cup ahead of it. Like, Gold Cup matters. All right, so kind of. Yeah, you're right. Now you're right. All right, here's. It's tough. Here's, Not a Grizzly Summer League game. Maybe a random so- Summer League game I'd put ahead. I'd put below the Gold Cup. Maybe some soccer people could weigh in. This, to me, is a reminder of, and I kind of feel like, I feel like the same way with golf. If you put the Ryder Cup every year, like the PGA Tours tried to make the President's Cup a thing, we don't. No care. one cares. No, no one cares. cares, and it's 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 just a stale. It feels exactly what what it is. Like the PGA Tours, like we don't get any money from the Ryder Cup. We want to do something where we get some money from. So let's make our own, and it'll just feel like it was made in a boardroom, which it was. If you played the Ryder Cup every single year, would anyone complain? And my thing is, why not play the World Cup every two years? One, you know, even years you can have even years. The men's World Cup and odd years you can have the women's World Cup because this feels like it's so obvious. If you just play the World Cup right now, like we'd lock in. Yeah, I think I think every I think I could get on board with every other year. I guess the question is, if you played the World Cup every two years rather than every four, usually the World Cup though timed up. It it got out of sync because of the pandemic. Yes. But it used to be in sync with, like, the Olympics, like the Summer Olympics. Like, it was every two years you either had the Summer Olympics or the World Cup. You know what I mean? And that's how, that's why they didn't so, do the World Cup every two years. So that's why you wouldn't do the World Cup every two years. I know this. The Olympics was always election years. Really? I had no yeah. idea. <laughs> well, no, like, <laughs> I'm, no, I'm serious. I no, had no, no idea. Like, that's how, no, like, that was always the weird thing I could remember. Because think about it. 96, the 96 Olympics... The first Olympics I remember are the 96 Olympics in Atlanta. Okay. Yeah, uh, 92 Barcelona. Correct. Uh, yeah. Correct. So 2000 was Sydney, right? Or was that Athens? 2000 was Sydney. 04, 04 was, was Athens. 08, 08 was London. Be- wasn't it Beijing? Beijing, you're right. 12 was London. Yes. 16 was Brazil. Rio. Yeah, Zika. And then. And you can also kind of like. 2020 you can slash kind of 2021 line up was Olympics Tokyo. with uh, worldwide pandemics. <laughs> okay. Well, remember, like, 2016, remember when Zika was hot in the Oh, street? yeah, that's true, yeah. yeah. Uh-oh, what's that mean for Paris next summer? I think, was China bird flu? Was Beijing bird flu? <laughs> I don't remember. Uh, so many pandemics ago, Jeffrey, who can remember? It's Tell the Truth Tuesday. I want to tell the truth, I want to tell the truth about Summer League and what's going on here locally with John Morant. Um, so we're going to get to that in a second. 240 or so, big guest, Mike Golick Jr. is going to join the show uh, for the first time, we'll get his thoughts on that uh, Northwestern situation, which uh, I- I'll be honest, 
I was proven correct. I said I did not think Pat Fitzgerald would coach Northwestern in its seat, you know, to start this season. I'll be honest, when I said it yesterday, I did not think it would come true within hours. I did not expect that swift of a uh, firing over at Northwestern, but we'll get Mike Golg Jr.'s thoughts on that, the West Virginia Bob Huggins deal. Uh, excited to have him on later this hour. Three o'clock or so, we will get into the list. We've got an update on the DeAndre Williams situation over at Memphis. Um, also, Zion Williamson made a surprise appearance on Gilbert Arenas's podcast yesterday. Uh, interesting stuff there. The PGA Tour uh, board members, your guy, the, the mysterious Jimmy Dunn, is in front of the U.S. Senate today talking well, he, about he that. He became PG- less mysterious after they put a microphone in front of Monahan. Yeah, uh, there could have also been a tell your story. So Monahan apparently returns mm-hmm. next week. He asked if they would move it. He would. He would have been happy to be there. Uh, but uh, they decided to go ahead, go go forward with it. Mm. What, what can he do? Yeah, well, they're meeting with the Senate as we speak. A lot of interesting details emerging about that. Are they meeting with, is it a Senate committee or is it a congressional committee? Like with it's Senate. Okay. I think it's the Senate. It's the it's the Senate. And then uh, uh, subcommittee. Ne- next hour, mm. Jeffrey, I was really excited when this, when I saw this. Dennis Dodd's hot seat mm. rankings came mm. out. We got college football hot seat rankings. He's got like eight or ten coaches. He's got like eight or ten coaches listed on there. I think ten. Spoiler, one of them, Ryan Silverfield over at Memphis. Uh-oh. So we'll dive into that next hour as well. But let's uh, let's start with a little truth. And since we've been off air, um, some interesting developments in the John Morant lawsuit. His friend, Devontae Pack, yesterday there was an arrest warrant put out for him by the Shelby County Sheriff's Office. They've decided to charge him with a misdemeanor. Uh, stemming from that fight at the pickup basketball game basically a year ago now over at John Morant's house. Um, and that came on the heels. I was actually there yesterday morning, um, the latest hearing in the lawsuit. Um, and there's going to be a another hearing tomorrow morning uh, in this lawsuit between John Morant and Joshua Holloway, the teenage basketball player that he and Devontae Pack have been accused of. I don't think anyone is even... Denying, denying that, that an they punched him, yes. uh, that they punched him. It's just the intent is being put, you know, the intent and uh, whether it was a crime is being debated. Uh, well, no, that, that's not being debated. This isn't a criminal no. proceeding. This is a, a civil well, now, proceeding. Well, now with Devontae Pack, it is a criminal proceeding. But it's, a, but no, my point is, even though there's a warrant out for his arrest, it's a misdemeanor, like, this, that doesn't necessarily mean, like, this is a... a Giant criminal trial, like no, oh no, no, no. The lawsuit is still a civil lawsuit because it's a you know, but now for Devonte Pack, it is both a criminal and civil proceeding uh, at this point uh, because he has been charged. And and I'm just going to say this, Jeffrey. This is my truth. I know I I sense some people maybe locally, especially like the diehard Grizzlies fans, like just don't want like this lawsuit is just kind of like whatever. Get back to me when it's over, right? Like, I think that's – get back to me when it's over, and honestly, I don't really care that much anymore. I just want Ja back. Uh, yeah, I mean, I I come at it a little different angle. Like, I'm – it's not even like come back to me when it it's over. It's just like – it's right now it's just a bunch of he said, he said. Yes. And so, like, we haven't – the first development, I think, is what happened yesterday. Yeah. Well, I'll say this. I, I find the John Morant lawsuit, and maybe it's just me, but I, I find it more interesting than NBA Summer League. Um, even though it is a, I've said this on air before, like a trivial lawsuit, like a lawsuit that shouldn't be happening, ultimately. Like, I wish we lived in a society where a lawsuit like this would be, you know, it, people would not even consider filing it, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I've... But we don't. That's right. We live <laughs> like, in a litigious society. We yes. don't. No, I, <laughs> we don't. Like, we're too busy... Like, to me, like, tort reform is something that actually needs to be done, but no. It's like it's like we say in conference realignment, well, I wish it was it, all that mattered was, was, like, what would, you know, the team, you know, the fit geographically and the team, you know, it's like, well, that's just not the world we live in. Yeah, it, you I, know, I, I and, view, and it's the same with this. It's like... I wish this was the thing where, like... I view it the same way we talk about the NBA calendar. Whenever it's like, well, the simple answer is cut the games. It's like, mm-hmm. well, that's not happening. So what else you got? 
Yeah. Um, but I think yesterday's, as you put it, the development yesterday, to me, was really interesting from this standpoint. Because there's a couple different angles you can attack this from. Is this the classic, and I'll tell you this, this is my initial thought, and I've like I've refrained myself from putting out like an opinion on this yet, just because I want to, you know, I do think it can go in a couple different directions. But Devontae Pack being charged could be seen as, you know, hey, this is what this is what when you when you're the friend of a famous person and you're kind of latched on to them both financially and your livelihood is tied to them, like this is this is what good friends do, Jeffrey. They they take the fall for someone. For their famous friend. Yeah, I guess, though, my tell the truth, though, was... But that was my initial thought. Yeah, yeah. And that could be the case. So, going back to the... Your uh, guy, Black Sports Online, he he views it as fall guy. Fall guy is setting... We're setting up for a classic fall guy situation here. Devontae Pack going to get charged with the misdemeanor, take the heat off Ja, makes Ja, you know, kind of strengthens Ja's case in the lawsuit if Devontae Pack is the one being charged... You know, like it, 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 it doesn't necessarily mean Jaws out of the woods on the lawsuit, but it does help his case. It would, it would seem if the police are saying, no, it's Devontae Pack who committed assault, misdemeanor assault here, not John Morant. It would seem to take some of the heat, you know, take some of the weight off the lawsuit. A the Chris bit. Carter rule. Yes. Remember when Chris Carter at the rookie symposium is, mm-hmm. it was like guidelines. Like, uh, uh, Herm Edwards said, uh, Buy a buy a car, buy a nice car if you want one. Just buy one. Buy a nice house. Just buy one. Chris Carter's advice was get a fall guy. <laughs> um, I tell the truth though. Spinning off of this, yeah. If you're gonna be, let's just call it a hanger on. Mm-hmm. This is the worst possible way for people to na- know your name. <laughs> yes. Oh, you're that guy. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Oh. Like. Look at how much better Rich Paul did this. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah, you're right. No. Um, and now you could take that as look how much better, at least, you know, at least as of right now, in terms of operating in the spotlight, you can go look at how much better LeBron did. Like yeah, LeBron, no, I, LeBron from the get go knew, like, had a, had a much better uh, understanding of how he had to operate in the spotlight. Yeah. Not to say he was, it was flawless. But it's certainly he certainly didn't run into the issues Ja has run into. No, so but far. I also think I think all these things can be explained. I think if you look at take LeBron, and obviously LeBron in year three is a different type of star than Ja in year three, but both big NBA stars. But LeBron had Ja's was Le, like LeBron zoom, had, and LeBron's LeBron been, was a steady build. LeBron was like on the cover of Sports Illustrated, yeah. what, 15? 16, yeah. Like, LeBron basically from sophomore year of high school. It was the it was the summer after his freshman year when he went to that ABCD camp and like no one it's not that no one knew who he was but like he like went he went to one of those camps and like outperformed every best player in the country and from that moment on I mean remember that's the first time I saw high school sports on ESPN yes it was the St. Vincent St. Mary's games yes and then from that point on he kind of just Whereas with Ja skyrocketed I mean, what, Ja Maybe was, I think, to... the third leading scorer's freshman year at Murray State? I mean, Ja, Ja, ultimately, Ja was, like, rel- like if we're being totally honest, relatively anonymous even heading into the NBA draft in the grand scheme of things compared to where he is now. Yeah, he had, remember we talked like about people, it. He had, like, he basketball one... people knew who he was, but, like, now, like, college bass, I feel like college, the only people that really knew who he was College basketball junkies and draft junkies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like yeah, yes, and um, obviously he's exponentially more popular now. But so th- that's one part. That's one angle that could be what you know from yesterday um, with Devonte Pack. It'd just be your classic. Hey, Devonte, you know Devonte Pack taking the fall. Here's the other interesting angle that I don't know what the case is in this, and this is why I'm just so interested in it. If you read through. The court filings, like, you know, and I have most of them, not all of them. There's a lot. Jeffrey, there are a lot of documents associated with There's a lot of billable hours. <laughs> if you go look at the court docket for uh, – if this thing goes on another year, I would love to see what each – because, like, Jaws paying legal fees not just for him, 
but he's paying legal fees for Devontae Pack. He's paying legal fees for his dad and mom and sister who are having to get deposed in this. Like, like, and then you got Joshua Holloway, who's got a legal team now with Leslie Ballin involved. Like, I would love to see what the legal fees are going to end up being from all of this, <laughs> especially if it if it drags on another year. Um, but if you, um, that, that's the other thing though for me is if Holloway doesn't win this, mm-hmm. like, I, can they have like can they afford that type of legal defense? Well, my 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 gut tells me is a large chunk of yes the legal defense is going to go to the attorneys yeah yes. like yes like a, a, whatever you know like part of what job you know they're banking on winning ultimately that's no, my my first thought on this whole thing was that the only winners in this are going to be the attorneys and i still feel that way and but the other part of this that's interesting to me is that we're now it's literally almost a year later from this it's like july 20 something yeah july 22nd i believe was when the was when the pickup basketball game and subsequent fight occurred. And now almost a year later, the Shelby County Sheriff's Office is charging someone in this after saying there was no evidence to bring charges earlier. And if you've paid close attention to this lawsuit, there's already been from the Joshua Holloway side, they have filed petitions basically saying, the Shelby County Sheriff's Office is not giving us discovery and records from the, you know, like the the case records, if you will, from their investigation. Uh, they're they're obstructing us essentially, and the Shelby County Sheriff's Office has been and and, and I believe the judge in the case ruled in favor of Holloway in terms of hey, if you guys are done with the investigation, you, you need to over. turn over the yeah. files, and I. There's another angle of this that you could look at it as yesterday was not necessarily anything for or against John Morant. It was more the Shelby County Sheriff's Office, you know, covering its tracks a little bit here in terms of, hey, if we're charging Devontae Pack, this is an an ongoing matter. We don't have to turn over our files in this case. And you could extrapolate that out further to, hey, like, let's just be honest. They have been... You you would not be a conspiracy theorist if you said and I would and I say this because the attorneys for Joshua Holloway have said it that essentially or have accused uh have put out this accusation that like the Shelby County Sheriff's office has been very generous to John Morant perhaps more generous than they would have been if the person involved with this was not named John Morant if that yeah. makes sense um, and this whole charging someone a year after the fight actually occurred. And if you're going to cite like stuff that's come up in the subsequent lawsuit, that would probably lend credence to Joshua Holloway's sides accusation that like, Hey, like they didn't necessarily execute their uh, duties, if you will, in the Shelby County Sheriff's office to the best of their ability in this case, or like they didn't do it in a, um, Forthcoming, yeah. For they didn't do it in a, a, a in a proper manner, if you will. Um, and so I, I find that aspect of it really interesting. And like, just to show you how crazy, like, not crazy, but how like how wild our judicial system is that a lawsuit can sp- a lawsuit can sprout out of literally like a fight at a basketball game, a couple some punches thrown at a basketball game. Now, like at yesterday's court hearing, Jeffrey, there were. There was the team, legal team for Joshua Holloway, the legal team for John Morant. There had to be a, a representative from the Shelby County Sheriff's Office there now at every hearing. And yesterday, starting yesterday, because John Morant is claiming, like, um, is trying to claim immunity based on a self-defense uh, statute statute in the uh, in the, the state of Tennessee, and Joshua Holloway's side is challenging whether that's applicable in this case. Oh, I thought they're not even challenging whether it's applicable. I thought they're challenging whether it's constitutional. In this case, whether it's constitutional to apply it to this case. They're not challenging the law in general. They're basically saying this is a law meant for criminal trials, not civil trials. Um, So now, at every court hearing, there's a representative from the state attorney general's office there, too. All out of this lawsuit. 
it's it's kind of nuts when you really break it down that like this is what our taxpayer some of our taxpayer money is going towards. So depressing. Actually, <laughs> like, think about it. Yeah. Like this over judge, fr- this over, judge is having let, to hear let's this. Break it down. This all started from allegedly a firm checking of the basketball. Yes. 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 And again, Mark, could you define what checking the basketball means? Yeah. Well, what happens is, and Mike Miller had to do this, uh, (laughs) you bounce the ball to the other guy, he bounces it back, and then you start playing basketball. All good? All good. But I do think, like, tomorrow morning, like, you know, I'm interested to see what happens. And then there's another hearing Monday, and I should clarify, another tell the truth here. It's being kind of, it's being reported as, like, tomorrow is, like, when they're going to rule on Jaws' motion to dismiss the lawsuit. Like, the lawsuit doesn't end tomorrow, no matter what happens, I don't believe. From so what's on, your understanding? My understanding is that tomorrow they're going to rule on whether Ja can claim immunity based on this self-defense uh, mechanism, if or whatever, the self-defense uh, statute within the in, within law. It's not, but then Monday is when they're going to talk about whether they can dismiss the case. So your interpretation would be, your interpretation would be, the ruling tomorrow. Be if they good, say it doesn't apply, to, or if they say it doesn't apply to Ja, and that this can continue, that's a win for Holloway. That's but yes. if but if they're saying, yes, this does apply, Ja, this doesn't. It's does it doesn't end the lawsuit, but it's it something does seem, very. It good. seems to be a good sign. It's a good sign for Jaws' motion to dismiss the case. Is is what I would interpret it as, um, and so we'll see. But then, but like even if they rule in favor of Ja, well then, and they might take care of this tomorrow too, depending on how long the hearing goes. But then, if that happens, then they'll debate the constitutionality of the doctrine. You know, like that they'll. The, that part of it will then be challenged at the state level, if you will, by Holloway's team. Like, the case is not over after tomorrow, is what I'm saying, unless they come to some sort of, the two sides come to a settlement here, which doesn't seem likely right now in this moment. I do think over the next week, based on my non-expert legal uh, opinion, Jeffrey, if, like, the next couple hearings don't go in Jaws' favor, then I do think you could see a settlement. Okay, I, I but I, I don't know. I can buy that, but at the certain at a certain level, if the reason why no settlement has occurred already is mm-hmm. that the number's too steep, mm-hmm. if that doesn't go his way, I don't think the number's getting smaller. Well, I don't think they've entered into mediation since the beginning of this. Like okay. they haven't. I I don't. You know, maybe there's been some stuff behind the scenes that isn't. You know, maybe the two sides have spoken. I would imagine maybe they have, um, but. There's been no official mediation done since the very beginning of this. Like, at the very beginning, they did mediation talks, and then they broke down, obviously, because, you know, or as Jaws attorneys have claimed, because they asked for, like, 15 or $20 million, and Jaws said that's ridiculous. You know, like, they said that's ridiculous, but, uh, you know, I can tell you this. I think the legal fees, if this thing goes all the way through, is going to, you know, we're going to be in the millions. Yeah, but I guess the way that I view it is, the case that you're making, it seems to me, is that it's less about the Ja Morant versus Joshua Holloway civil suit. It's more the legal drama. Yes. That is, oh, yes. That is, yes. Like, that's that's kind of, this is like. The, the Ja Morant versus Joshua Holloway angle of it is like, they got in a little scuffle at a basketball game. And let's be honest, like, they probably roughed up Joshua Holloway a little too much. And okay. like. Yeah. Right? Like, that's Although, what it seems know. like. But at the same time, like... One of the more interesting quotes, and it was included... Um, who wrote Who wrote your story? Uh, Lucas Fenton. Lucas had the quote in there from T. Mm-hmm. Like, this is what I thought was fascinating. This is kind of like where it all begins, I think. T spoke with Joshua Holloway's father. Yes. And after the conversation, according to T... It was like, ah, oh, boys will be boys. Let's yeah. get them in the same room. Shake right. hands. And apologize. Correct. Yes. Correct. And then T said, well, then things changed when either T spoke with Joshua's T, mother T, or, T or Joshua's dad spoke with Joshua's mother. No, T. Morant said he spoke briefly with Joshua Holloway's mother. Like, oh, this but, is going a different direction. But hung up, yeah. basically, when she was yelling at him. But, I I mean, it's interesting. I don't know how it's necessarily relevant to the case in the sense that, like, 
you know, she was a mom who was upset at her son getting punched. I don't know how that's a big deal. Right. If that were the only, like, that's what I hate when people start doing this. Like, if you, this is, that's a tell your story. Do you not agree that if, if you find out that the woman has a history of filing frivolous lawsuits that don't go anywhere? Like, I'm sorry. I think that applies. I, I agree, but I don't, I, what I'm saying is her conversation that night with T. Morant, I don't think will be, from a legal perspective, all that relevant in court. Like, you, I think you're right. Her history will be relevant yeah. in the lawsuit. But I don't think her being upset at T. Morant that night is necessary. Because, like, he didn't, it, it, like, you know, like, her being well, upset, she's allowed to be upset. Right, but she could also have been upset because she found out, like, it's entire. again, we don't know. No, and then you've got. But it's entirely possible that she was upset because T said, I spoke with Josh's dad, and we said, you know, all good. Yeah, no, no, no. I, and then all of a sudden, that upsets her. But I'll say this Joshua Holloway's dad was never involved in the lawsuit. I Just her. That's what I'm She's saying. She's the one who was only. So it's, uh, it is, uh, it's very, it's all very interesting. I would recommend you go read Lucas Fenton's, uh, He's got a breakdown of like kind of where the case is at, where it stands right now, going into tomorrow's quartering. Because, like I said, I, I just you know, look. I am invested in the Memphis Grizzlies as a columnist and reporter, but like, I just when I watch a summer league game and I see something that's encouraging, I just go, okay, well, like, uh, I want to see it in the regular season games. You know, like I don't really like I, I don't know I I have trouble getting invested into the summer league games. And I yeah, think it might just be me and my background. No, 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 no. I, I, I think there's a legit. Why I'm invested more in like legal drama that's like very tangential to the Grizzlies. No, I, as I think opposed biggest, to like summer, like actual basketball games. I think going the biggest on. problem with the investment in summer league is that realistically, of the guys that are playing summer league right now, it feels like at most there's one spot for all of those guys. Yeah, I guess you could make a case for maybe two. Maybe like two in the regular season, yeah. But like one, but, like, but that's to me like that's and like doesn't it? I, I doesn't think it, this is kind of the the other thing though, and this might dovetail into your to your next one. I think this is kind of the same problem that we had. There were a lot of problems with watching the regular season last year. Like there was the exhausting element of it, mm, yeah. But there was also kind of in the back of our minds, which is okay. We've seen the Grizzlies be a two seed, yeah. Like we the we've seen the Grizzlies win the division. All that really mattered is like, okay, what's it matter in the playoffs? Like, I still kind of feel like we're going to feel the same way next year. All right. Don't you think, like, if you're going into next season and you're a Grizzlies fan, you're just going, all right, you know, like, I understand, you know, it might be a little tricky because of this John Morant suspension early. Sure. Um, But, like, aren't you just thinking in your head, okay, hopefully we can, like, stay afloat enough without Ja where we're not, you know, we're not, we don't have, like, some. We're not like the Lakers last year, where essentially they started off so bad that think, they that I they think, couldn't work their way out of the play-in. I think what most Grizzlies fans have realized, yes, it is probably better than not to have home court. But just be the top six. But avoid the play-in. And then I think I think most Grizzlies fans are where here's where you could make a parallel to the Lakers or really probably better to the Warriors last year, mm-hmm. to or whatever, their championship year. Mm-hmm. I think most Grizzlies fans are like, get to the playoffs healthy. Yeah. Yeah, I'd rather be the I'd rather be the six seed and healthy yeah. than the two seed and banged up yes. like they were last year. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm I'm totally with you. And so, it uh, I don't know because and that's what like honestly like this could be my tell the truth and we, then we can talk to Michael Jr. I'm curious his thoughts on it. I don't understand this NBA in season tournament. I'm having trouble like you mean the NBA Cup, whatever they're calling it. I I don't really see how this is going to spice up. The regular season, like is is it really gonna like it? Add, we're adding one more game to the schedule, um, and I, I don't know. Like I, I just have, a, and maybe it'll be like maybe it, it's gonna happen. Like I am open to the idea that it's gonna come here. We're gonna get to November and those Tuesday and Friday nights. I'm gonna be all right. It's a cup night, you know. It's a cup night for the Grizzlies. So, but like I am having trouble justify like. How are the players really going to care more about this? That's uh, to me like that's what the whole thing boils down to. Is there going to be is five hundred thousand dollars a piece really enough for these guys like to ca- really care about it and my, make it a thing? My suspicion is no, because in the end, here here's where I think it could work. If we watch these games in November and December, and let's be real for all of us that watch November December basketball, 
It's the like in, it's like in, one out of every five games. The intensity's is, is not the, exactly there. Yeah. Occasionally you'll get like yeah. remember when the Grizzlies played the Nets yes. and it was it became a shootout between John Bain and Durant yes. and Kyrie. Like it's like one in every that's the only November game I remember. Right. You know, like it's one of them I remember. But if you start to, if if the players do indeed take it seriously and the intensity feels closer to playoff basketball, then yes, I think it could work. My suspicion though is they care way less about that $500 bonus than making it to the playoffs. Like, And so I think you're still going to have the same issues, which is, hey, we're not going to really bust it in November and December when, you know, April, May, June is what matters. Yes. I think that's the the only way I think it works is if there is here's a, a, here's a significant level of intensity. If you get to the quarterfinals, let's say. Because I think you're, I think those, whatever, the... The pod games, oh, if you those will, have no there's no chance. way they're going to be any different than a normal regular Correct. season game. But let's say you're the Grizzlies and you do well in the pod games and you get to the quarterfinals and you get to a single elimination scenario. Maybe those games will be a little better just because it's natural, because it's there's I something it, on I the see, line. I still think it's all based on the intensity of the game. If yeah. you watch these games and they're, it's kind of similar. It'll to, still be like. It, it, if it's a close game going into the fourth quarter, it'll get intense. And I think if it's, it's not. I think it won't. it's it has to be similar to the play-in. The play-in worked because the games felt like playoff games, mm-hmm. and there was an intensity to it. If the games feel like that, then it'll probably work. I just have my doubts that that's going to be the case. I just think it's it's just weird to me. We're crowning some random champion. In I don't know. I, I don't no, understand it. I don't understand the allure of this. Like. I get it. They want to make more money. They want some more, you know, spice up. It just feels like a made-for-TV event. It, it just feels like there's a better way to spice things up if that's what you're going for. All right, let's turn our attention to college football. Let's get Mike Gullick Jr.'s thoughts on uh, Pat Fitzgerald's removal at Northwestern. Talk some more college football with him when we come back right here on Giannotto and Jeffrey, 92.9 FM, ESPN. There is plenty of baseball left. Chris Mack, the BetQL Network, here to help you beat the books. MLB All-Star Week, the perfect time to recalibrate our priorities. Take a look at some value bets for the rest of the MLB season. BetQL has a number of insights on some futures with value, and the BetQL model going to be locked in with all their four- and five-star bets for the rest of the baseball season. I'm Chris Mack. Bet smarter and beat the books. Download the BetQL. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the name your price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Well, app today. Michael Jr. is the host of the Gojo Podcast, available where you can find all of your podcasts. Also, college football analyst for DraftKings, kind enough to join us here today. Mike, I guess let's start with the biggest story in college football. Did you think that Pat Fitzgerald would get fired last night? Um, I still had my doubts just because we've seen as recently as what went on with Kirk Barron's in Iowa but a couple of years ago and a 
you know, allegations that in this case, you know, with Northwestern were, you know, sexually charged in the name of the harassment at Iowa. It was racially charged in the name of the harassment and the things that had gone on in the program. And they had found a way to keep on a coach that was a longtime favorite around there locally and has meant so much to the program. So I just, I know college football enough to know that there was always a chance that they kept him. But you saw this morning as articles started and continue to pop up talking about now allegations of a racist culture there in the early 2000s and all of the noise that was continuing to drive conversation around this, you know, led by the reporting of the Daily Northwestern, uh, they were really going to have no choice. And so uh, I was still a little bit unsure last night, but it became very clear early today that there was going to only be one way this ended. What do you think changed between the investigation done by the law firm, the outside law firm, and they make the decision, okay, we're going to suspend him for two weeks. Why do you think it went from we're going to do that to he's no longer the football coach? If I had to guess, I would say it's because people noticed. Like, and, yeah. you know, you could you could make the case. I don't know what was in that independent investigation, but if somehow a group of student journalists were able to uncover more than an investigation that reportedly interviewed 11 football players who talked about the widespread nature of this hazing in that locker room, but somehow it was these student reporters that were able to go and unearth the details that ultimately tipped the scales, then I tip my hats off to them first and foremost, and we need to all continue to support student journalism. But other than that, the idea would be they knew and they still gave it two weeks because Pat Fitzgerald's a guy that's beloved around there because it's the summer, because it's Northwestern, because they thought they could brush this under the rug and get away with it like we've seen happen in college sports before. And people noticed, and by people I mean their own journalism students, noticed and brought this to light, and then they had to redirect course. That's why I'll be fascinated to see what happens with Mike Schill, the university president now, because the same reasons that you got rid of Pat Fitzgerald, the idea that well, you're either coaching this or you're allowing it to happen, and either way it's your responsibility. The same exact thing can be said about the university president who reversed course here. What do you think happens to Pat Fitzgerald? Do you think – I mean, it, it seems like – He's going to court. He's, well, he's going to court for his money, <laughs> yeah. but I'm curious. Like, I mean, until – you know, he obviously had a bad year last year, and until then it really felt like whether it was as a program builder or just a straight football coach was viewed in a very, you know – very lofty light for what he does. The greatest, probably the greatest Northwestern football coach ever, based on his accomplishments um, over a long span of time. And now, obviously, there was something amiss in his program. To what extent he's responsible for it, I don't know. I, I'm curious, as a former, you know, prominent college football player yourself, like, what do you what do you see for his future? Do you like will he be able to recover from this? You think? Um, I guess I, it depends on what we mean by recover, but we see this is a sport where people involved in, you know, this and, and things far worse than this still find a way back. I mean, hell, someone tried to give our Bryles a job last year. Like this is these, you know, people get opportunities again. And with Pat Fitzgerald, he's someone who interpersonally people have so many good things to say about. And that I quite honestly, I believe right. Pat Fitzgerald can be, a very good person who's done a lot for so many people and helped a lot and still have had a blind spot here or misstepped here and made a mistake here that allowed this to become a part of his program's legacy as well. So all those things can be true. I wouldn't be surprised if Pat Fitzgerald got another shot at some point, because like you said, he had displayed coaching acumen in a place in Northwestern. That's pretty darn hard to win for most other people. Um, But I don't think it'll be anytime soon, especially because now we are, more acutely aware of these issues and because and this is i think the problem northwestern faced is this is a direct affront to your ability to recruit when you've got allegations like this coming out when this is the story about your locker room because how are you then supposed to walk into a living room and try and explain to a young man's parents no no we're going to do right and take care of your son when this is now going to be a part of your legacy leaving northwestern we're talking with college football analysts for DraftKings as well as the host of the Gojo podcast, Mike Golick Jr. here on the program. I guess this is kind of the other thing. Where do they go from here? Because to me, if you're essentially p- firing Pat for a culture problem, doesn't that mean that the current staff is also implicated in that? Like I, To me, like that's kind of where I think it gets really complicated. Do they have to go the Baylor route with Jim Grobe? I've always thought if you're trying to, you know, if you're trying to lose and start refresh, go get John L. Smith. I'm sure he'll 
he'll do it for six months, whatnot. But where do they go from here? So I believe right now, and I'm blanking on his first name, but Braun, the defensive, defensive coordinator. coordinator. Yeah, and so he's he came over from North Dakota State this year. He was not around for the things that have gone on. And so as far as a Band-Aid for this year, I would say he makes the most sense just because I don't know how much fruit a July coaching search is really going to bear you. And again, if your point is, well, you know, the record's kind of going to be secondary to them having to sort of rewash their reputation this season, you've got a guy on staff who at least knows where everything is inside the program, has been in the building for a while now, but doesn't have the same longstanding connecting to, connection to the allegations that just ultimately ousted the current head coach. So that would be the simplest solution, but it's college football, so we know simple is rarely the outcome. And I guess that's kind of the other question that I have. What do you think the response is in the coaching community? Because, you know, it's one thing if you have the races and whatnot, but if it's all stemming around from locker room issues, like, I got to imagine there's some that are a little nervous right now. Uh, I'd imagine there's some people that are going to tighten the screw. Like, I can just tell you from personal experience, I've been in a few locker rooms, you know, certainly not a ton. I didn't have a long-standing NFL career. Never seen or heard of anything like this. Like, this is a, a different level as far as what went on there. And, but you're right. Like, it, these locker rooms are all big. I'm sure there might be some things that are maybe borderline or some things that, listen, if, and, you know, maybe this could be where this is born out of where you're a long tenured coach who's let a couple of things slide and it's snowballed out on you where now all of a sudden you're not leaving any stone unturned. I'd imagine there's a lot of coaches that are going to be going back into their locker room at the start of training camp, making abundantly clear what the expectations are, what the standard is around there. And if they were kind of turning a blind eye to anything that might've been going on, which again, I'm not accusing anyone of that because this, as far as I know, and people I've talked to feels like a bit of an outlier as far as how extreme this was. But if there was anything even remotely close, you can imagine these control-free coaches are going to go back in and assert that control. Yeah, I mean, to me, like that's, that's like, oh, great, you give college football coaches another chance to be e- even more of micromanagers. But I guess the other thought that I had is, how much more difficult is this job going to have to be? Not, and just co- being a college coach in general, because Northwestern was one of those rare places, it did feel like, okay, you can get the four- or five-year guys because of the academic standing and you know how difficult it is to get people in. But I just keep wondering, like in this day of the, the transfer portal, like building a culture at a school feels like it's going to be, become more and more difficult. And I just feel like we're just going to start to see shorter and shorter tenures for coaches. Well, I think we're already kind of seeing that. And that's, you know, less to do with the portal and more to do with the bloated expectations that came with coaching salaries. Like we started paying the, you know, Jimmy Sexton did a really good job for a lot of people, and now they're paid a ton of money. And if you don't produce results soon, I mean, hell, how many off-seasons in a row now have we made jokes about the prices of oil relative to Jimbo Fisher's buyout at Texas A&M? Like, that stuff's going to keep happening because the expectation at so many of these places, irregardless of the format of the sport, has continued to go through the roof. So that'll be the case, but I think all the change in the sport actually makes culture more paramount. Like, if you're dealing in a day and age where players actually have options now, you don't just have people that are tied down to you for four or five years based on the structure of the sport, your words matching your actions from the time you start recruiting players to when they get on campus has never been more important because you've got to have athletes that believe, all right, these people are telling me the truth because if you sell them a false bill of goods, they can cut and run. They can pick up a go as is their right. You've got to be telling the truth. And then word of mouth is going to be your best recruiter if you do have people that are thinking about leaving in the portal or coming to you in the portal. I remember I talked to Mac Brown before I called the North Carolina game a couple of years ago at the beginning of all of this. And he said, we made a promise to these kids that we were going to do right by them and help them maximize their football career. And that doesn't end with us. And so if a player wants to transfer, Mac said, I am going to help them get to the best destination possible because I'm sure he's smart enough to realize, hey, if I'm doing that and I'm continuing to deliver on this promise, eventually that's going to make its way through the recruiting ranks. It's going to make it through because word of mouth is always your best recruiter. And so I think the culture you set now as a coach is as important or more important than it's ever been because you actually have to back it up now. Before, you could just say words and put up signs and players really didn't have a choice. Now they've got a way to battle back. All right, let's let's switch gears. Let's talk some actual football. Um, <laughs> your former coach, we, LSU fans are doing the uh, Kim Mulkey won a title in her second year. Jay Johnson won a title in his second year. 
It's Brian Kelly's second year. At first, I kind of rolled my eyes at that. But then when I started looking at the landscape of the West, we know there's not a talent shortage down in Baton Rouge. And if you really look at, okay, who are the quarterbacks that scare you if you start in the SEC West? Alabama's uncertain. A&M is uncertain. I have started to talk myself into Brian Kelly year two. Is this a wise decision? Um, I, I mean, listen, I certainly think so. I, I always knew Brian was going to go down there and have success. Brian knows what he's doing. He knows how to come in, and I think as well as any coach in college football, be where his feet are and understand, all right, these are the resources available to me at this particular juncture. This is how we can best maximize it. And we saw that bear fruit in year one. He, got, he made the trip to Athens in year one down there. And I understand in this day and age when you come in, especially as a big-time coach, and shock the program with the transfer portal the way him and Lincoln Riley did, it can maybe put people on their heels for a year, but then there's this idea that you know people will get used to it. I just think LSU is a place that always is going to have an easy time recruiting talent, and I think we've seen the last three head coaches that have been there have all won national championships, and I think with the exception of Nick Saban, Brian is as good or better than the other two coaches. That I was going to say, I think you make the there. argument two of the other ones were morons. <laughs> your word, your mm, word's not mine. Yeah. But uh-huh. I think as far as coming in and providing stability, being the CEO of a program, yeah, he's got them in a great spot. And listen, in college football, if you're bringing back quality players on defense, your quarterback and your coordinators, you're usually in a pretty good spot already. And LSU checks a lot of those boxes in addition to being a place that's always going to recruit talent. So, no, I don't think you're far off on that. I think they are going to now walk in with the expectation, hey, you are needing to get yourself back to Athens and you're going to, or excuse me, get yourself back to Atlanta. And then you're going to need to get yourself even a step further than that because the national championship expectations are not going to wait around long going back to our earlier conversation. And then lastly, is there any case against Georgia other than boredom? Uh, no, not. I mean, I guess the real case you could make is the defense is probably going to take a step back relative to the other world, the standard that's existed the last two years. I mean, the 21 defense is an argument to be one of the best, if not the best, in college football history. The 22 certainly wasn't as far back as I thought people you know, expected it to maybe go. And so you're going to have that change there. And then it's kind of going to be, be able to see, all right, you know, Kirby's always had a kink at quarterback, right? You, know, you can go with uh, someone who's a little bit more average ability-wise in the name of sticking around in your offense. And now they're going to... You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.